This episode is brought to you by the Insurgents Experience. The Insurgents Experience is a ministry mastermind mentoring program for kingdom leaders. This is different from my normal mentoring resource, which is the Deeper Christian Life Network. The Insurgents Experience is a one-year high-level mentoring mastermind for people who regularly teach and or preach. This would be lead pastors pastors, traveling teachers, church planters, missionaries, those who teach in Bible colleges and in seminaries. At the time that I'm recording this, I am working with 11 kingdom leaders, most of whom are lead pastors of churches who are in their 30s. If you're interested in the insurgents experience and want to learn more about it, you can go to ministrymind.org, ministrymind, all one word, dot org. That will bring you to the Insurgents Experience page. You could read all about it, and if it resonates, go ahead and apply. When registration opens, you will be contacted. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 172 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. We're super excited for the content we got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a podcast about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. My name is Seth Hensley. I'm the host of your show. And today I am joined by none other than Frank Viola. Frank Viola is a conference speaker, blogger, and bestselling author. He helps serious followers of Jesus know their Lord more deeply so they can experience real transformation and make a lasting impact. His blog, frankviola.org, is regularly ranked in the top five of all Christian blogs on the web. Frank, welcome to the show. Frank, my first question is, um, in the Bible Belt area I grew up in, many discuss the kingdom, uh, which is part of the title of your book, but few place emphasis on it or discuss its nature or how we play a part in it, despite the fact that Jesus discussed it during his public ministry, you know, extensively in scripture. What role does the theme of the kingdom of God have in the Bible? Well, it has a massive role. In fact, I would say that the major theme of all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, is in fact the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is another aspect or another way of saying God's eternal purpose. And we see in the very opening uh, chapter of Genesis, God is in the heavenly realm. And what he's seeking to do is, and it begins with the garden, he's seeking to bring his kingship to planet Earth. But things go haywire, and the very first mention of the term kingdom is associated with Babel which becomes Babylon, and that's the, the counterfeit kingdom. In the New Testament, it's called the world system. And you see throughout the New Testament the call to come out of the world system, to come out of the systems built by human beings, but really are operated by the enemy. And when Jesus shows up, his main message is the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is the main theme of Scripture from beginning to end. It plays a major role not only in the Bible, but in our lives, if we properly understand it. I had the pleasure of attending many, many, many churches in my area. 
Um, and a lot of the pastors discuss it. They use the word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven or just heaven, but a lot of times they mean different things by those and they don't define them very well at all, which kind of leads me into my, my next question. Uh, how do you define the gospel of the kingdom? And is there kind of as a side question, what's the difference between the gospel of the kingdom and other language that, that scholars and pastors use for it, such as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? That's a broad question, and I'd like to roost here for a little while because I think it's very important. Right. We're Westerners, and I imagine everybody listening to this is a Westerner. Uh, that means we're the sons and daughters of Aristotle. <laughs> and so we like to compartmentalize truth into neat and tidy definitions and sound bites. The danger in doing that, however, is twofold. First, certain spiritual realities like the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom cannot be defined in a definition form without losing its power and draining its glory. The second problem is that for many Westerners, we wrongly equate hearing a definition with having the reality of it, okay? So the idea is, hey, I know the definition. That means I got it. That means I've experienced it. But interestingly enough, the New Testament uses the phrase the kingdom of God over 80 times, yet it never once defines it. What it does do is it illustrates it. Yeah. So, for example, Jesus would often say, the kingdom of God is like, and then he'd give examples. It's like a net. It's like a pearl. It's like a farmer sowing seed. Paul would reverse that pattern, and he would tell us what the kingdom of God was not. <laughs> so he would say things like, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. So I can tell you what the kingdom isn't, and then I will give you an image of what it is. Number one, it's not going to heaven. The kingdom is not heaven. The gospel of the kingdom is not going there. It's not doing signs and wonders and eating cucumbers. <laughs> it's not trying to make the world a better place. The kingdom of God is not about social justice or getting conservative laws passed. And what I do in the book, Insurgents, is I unpack what the gospel of the kingdom is and in turn what the kingdom is. And what I can say is this, the kingdom of God is an alternative civilization on planet earth and the gospel of the kingdom is the most powerful message in the entire New Testament. It's the message that Jesus preached, it's yes. the message that John the Baptist preached, it's the message that all of the apostles preached, even Philip the evangelist in Acts chapter 8 when he goes into Samaria. He preaches the gospel of the kingdom. And here's the thing, Seth, it got all of them killed. And, and wherever Paul went before his death, the gospel of the kingdom caused riots to break out in just about every city. And so that gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, is a high-octane, titanic, earth-shaking message. And what it does is it basically radicalizes, all right, I'm going to use that term, a human being to be completely consumed obsessed with, utterly given to Jesus Christ in the same way that radical terrorists give their lives to their false cause, right? That's what it does. That's the product of it. Now, if you look at most Christians today and you ask, do they have that kind of devotion and commitment and all-out abandonment? The answer is no. And the reason is because they've never heard the gospel of the kingdom. They may have heard bits and pieces of it, but 
What's fascinating, and I get into this in the book, all right, and it's on audio as well as digital and print, but in Insurgents, I show and I make a case, not only for what the gospel of the kingdom really is, and what the kingdom is, and it's a long book, although the chapters are super short, so it's very easy to read. I have high school students reading it and just yeah. being blown away by it, but... It's also called the Gospel of Grace. It's also called the Gospel of God. It's also called the Gospel of Jesus Christ or the Gospel of Christ. All of those terms are references to the Gospel of the Kingdom. They're not different Gospels in the New yeah. Testament. It's all one Gospel, but each one emphasizes a certain aspect of it. So that's the short answer to the question. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate how you pointed out that Scripture does not really define it. The closest that I've ever been able to find uh, is in Romans. Let not then your good be evil spoken of for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking as Frank pointed out. He said, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's the closest closest to a definition I found. As Frank said, it's something that many people have uh, died for. It's something that um, people consider radical. As he said, Frank uses the word radical a lot um, when he's talking about the, the gospel of the kingdom, I've noticed. And this is something that is another thing I like that he pointed out is not a political issue, and it's not something that can be solved um, through social reform or the advancement of one side of the aisle or another. This is some, God's kingdom is totally separate from the world. Um, Frank, you, you have a podcast that, that is uh, yes. directly addressed to this, um, and it's called The Insurgents Podcast. It's on, um, I believe you're up to a 116 episodes now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can listen anywhere. Um, it supplements this book. Tell us about that and why. what you cover in that show. I appreciate that. What we have done, Seth, is we have taken questions, and I say we because I have a partner on all the episodes, virtually all of them. I have six different partners, and we take questions from the audience, from my readers, related to the kingdom of God, related to living kingdom life. Yes. And what we have been doing in recent days, and this is been going on for many episodes is we kind of shifted from the questions to exploring and discussing every single reference to the kingdom of God in the New Testament in chronological order. So it's a supplement to the book Insurgents, but it's also a standalone as well. You know, if a person doesn't read the book, they can still listen to the podcast. And it's really powerful. And we deal with, I mean, dealing with every single reference to the kingdom, all 80 plus in chronological order order is just a mammoth task, but it's a lot of fun. And my partners are great. Michael Heiser, who unfortunately passed away not too long ago, he was one of my partners. And we did three episodes on spiritual warfare. And one of them was on Satan. We talked about who Satan was according to scripture, what he does according to scripture, and how we as believers are to respond to him. That's a whole episode. Yeah. Another episode is on demons. Where did demons come from? What are they and what do they do and how do we respond to them and then the third episode with Michael was on principalities and powers and they are the entities that operate the world right now the world system and Satan is over them and it explains a lot about the political the geopolitical activities that go on in the world it explains a lot about rulers the rulers of the different countries yes. uh, even the United States <laughs> 
and how the principalities and powers operate. And uh, it's all biblical, it's all scriptural, and we have great discussions about it. So anybody's interested in the kingdom of God, not only the book, but the Insurgents podcast, and of course the podcast, you can get it on any podcast platform. I actually listened to Frank's book, not through, I didn't read it, I actually listened to it through audio, the Audible version, which you can get on Audible um, through Amazon. And that was a wonderful, wonderful book, well read, um, very, very well broken down. Um, and so I obviously I've listened to the, the insurgents podcast a lot and as well as his discussions there again, 116 episodes for you guys to consume. Highly recommend you go check that out. Um, but Frank, in chapter 10 of your book, you assert uh, going back to kind of the beginning of this conversation, I want to touch back on that. You talked about how the kingdom of God and politics were totally separate things and that one could not usher in the other. You, you assert that political reform cannot implement or usher in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Can you explain why this is and when does rallying under a political banner become a hindrance to the to the kingdom of God? Well, it's a big subject, and I cover it both in the podcast and in the book, so people, you know, this will be like a sound bite. (laughs) The short answer, Seth, is that the political system of any country, the United States included, Canada, anywhere, is part of the world system. Okay, it's not part of the kingdom of God. And so to try to leverage the political system to try to bring in the kingdom of God is basically sitting at Caesar's table and using his agenda to try to make the world look like Jesus Christ and his body. That just doesn't work. Now, it doesn't mean that the political system doesn't have a place. It does. Uh, It doesn't mean that God doesn't use the political system. He does. But not to bring his kingdom on earth. His kingdom is something different. It's outside of the political systems of man that man has created and that are actually run by principalities and powers. And we make this case in the book and in the Insurgents podcast. The hindrance is that people often, and this is true for many Christians on both the left and the right, they are in effect putting their energy and their hope in trying to see the world change via the political system. And the political system, brothers and sisters, is not going to change the world into what the kingdom of God is to look like. That comes by God's people following Jesus Christ individually and corporately as an alternative civilization in this world to bear light to what the kingdom of God really is. Using the political system, what, what ends up happening is not only does it lead to disappointment, but it leads to a lot of bickering, putting people in the flesh arguing and when the enemy is just loving this because that's his world (laughs) it's part of the world system it's not part of god's kingdom so anyway there's a lot there it's an important topic because nowadays people on the right are basically taught that the way you're going to bring the kingdom in is through being politically active and the people on the left say the same thing so true Uh, the politics have become incredibly divisive and um, polarizing particularly for young people i found through social media and things like that they automatically deem demonize that which they're not supposed to demonize instead of fighting uh, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness and the world. We're fighting each other. We're, we're, yes. divi- we're splitting the church Absolutely. in half, causing all kinds of problems. Absolutely seen that 100% true. And guys, it really makes talking about anything about the kingdom difficult because if people politicize it, uh, then suddenly you've got believers fighting against one another on, on an issue that they should be you know, working together. 100% agree there. Love that you do not link politics through the kingdom in your book. That's why I wanted to include that question. One of my favorite things about your book, uh, as many people in my area do link uh, conservatism 
to uh, the kingdom or liberalism to the kingdom. Yeah, it really is uh, a serious issue that we're having. Uh, my next question is, can you explain the relationship? Can you explain the relationship between the kingdom and the ecclesia, uh, the church that, that Paul discusses? Yeah, well, in the New Testament, the kingdom of God refers to three things, the king, the rule of the king, his rulership, and the people ruled. Well, the people ruled are, in fact, the ecclesia. They are the ones who are under the kingship of Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, ecclesia meant the assembly of people who were following Jesus Christ in a radical, abandoned way. And so you can't really separate the kingdom from his alternative civilization or what we call the community of the king, the ecclesia. Uh, it's the instrument to bring the kingdom of God. It's the instrument to reflect the kingdom of God, and it embodies the kingdom just like Jesus does. But I get into what all of that means in more detail, and I give practical examples in the book Insurgents. Yes. Hey guys, this is a postscript just before you head out and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankviola.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to frankviola.us. That's frankviola.us. And that will take you to a donate page. There's three different options you can use to donate. All of them simple. Thank you very much and God bless.